Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the British and Irish Eagles podcast. Three years strong for you guys have been following us since we started as Next Man Up podcast all, the, all that little time ago, celebrated our anniversary earlier in the week. Um, but just tonight, it's uh, it's just going to be me and uh, me and Mick because Liam is out taking his new team out for dinner and is promptly been unable to get back in time. So it's just the awesome twosome tonight. Sorry, Liam, that you're having such a great time and that you can't give us the time of day anymore. I mean, he's off out to getting married. He's off out on his honeymoon. He's off out to watch the Washington game. He's off out watching the Dallas game. I know I was there for that one as well, but that's not the point. Um, and now, he, now he's off in Scotland. He's just living living the life of luxury. He's, he's too famous for us now. So it's just going to be me and you, Mick. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Mick. Um, three years. How, how does that feel? Oh, happy anniversary, Phil. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary Mick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it feels good. It feels, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like we've been doing it as long as that. But at the same time, it, it feels like we've always been doing it. You, you know, that's just sort of like you get a bit of both. It just feels so familiar. But it feels like it's not really happened for as long, not as long as I'd like it to have happened, Phil. I, I wish we had started this many, many years ago. And something I often say when I'm talking about my Eagles fandom is I wish I was a fan a lot sooner than I actually was. It was more of the start of the Wentz era. And, and I, I'm just so jealous of a lot of Eagles fans, even though it might not have been the best era to be an Eagles supporter. Um, I wish I'd been along for the journey because uh, it's it's one of the best things that I do. Uh, I know I didn't make the trip out with you guys to the US, but I felt the journey that you guys had. I know you had a, an absolute brilliant time, and I know you're about to speak about it at length. And uh, I'm insanely jealous of the of the whole trip. Uh, it was chronicled very well. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I know it's it's going to be a, an annual thing as well. Um, yeah, I mean, just take it away, Phil. I suppose just take it away. I'll go for us now. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's, this this could be a while. It was it was an absolutely epic trip, Mick. Um, like I said, you, you you sort of lived it by proxy, um, but being there was was absolutely unbelievable. From from driving down to to Liam's house on on the, on the Wednesday evening for an early Thursday flight to. Uh, to get in there early on Thursday afternoon, it was it was pretty much non-stop. And it's taken me about a week to um to recover. I've had several significant naps in the last week just to sort of because I've just felt it's so like tired. Like, it basically hip hop it could it's not not far off. And I think the jet lag combined with just how how non-stop and intense it was 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 just um just un- unbelievable. We we'd only been there sort of a few short hours before we had to be up early in the morning on the Friday morning. Bang, straight onto Fox 29, Good Morning Philadelphia, where we were eating cheesesteaks at seven o'clock in the morning in a freezing cold mine. It must have been close to zero, easy, um, in a in a parking lot in Diggerland um, outside of Philadelphia, bizarrely, where we um, watched Jen Frederick of, of, of Fox News Driver JCB, 
um, over some containers of water with Cowboys um, players' faces strapped to them. Um, I'm pretty sure she had zero training on how to drive that JCB. And I think if it had been in the UK, you would have had all sorts of health and safety, red tape, climbing all over and, and putting it to stop. But this is America. What the hell? It's it's big, it's it's loud, it's explosive, and it's entertaining, and that's all that matters. So you had 25 British and Irish Eagles fans sat in the back of a, a, a juggernaut truck. I don't even know what they're called, but like this big diesel machine that would, would just drive people around this obstacle course in normally. Um, she was driving that as well, <laughs> and to be fair, she, I think the clutch was 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 screaming um, oh. for her to stop at one point because I think <laughs> we weren't going anywhere. But eventually, she got on the vehicle. We, we drove over some some cones, and it sort of that was just the start. So we hadn't even been there twenty four hours. Um, hadn't even felt like we'd been there twelve hours. We were up early in the morning, and um, we were doing that. And a lot of us had been up drinking till early hours of the morning. I know, I know, Liam um, and Vince were sort of out quite late uh, the night before with them um, with uh, Hollis Thomas. Um, what a guy he was. I mean, we don't, we you know, we just got there, wanted to go out for some beers just to sort of unwind, and end up spending time in a bar watching the the Thursday night football with Hollis Thomas. Um, big calls, big calls. Ali Aganov, who's been on the pod before. Um, it was just incredible, but I was just too knackered from the trip. So I, I had an early night knowing that I was going to be up at five. I don't do well under lack of sleep. So I made the decision to go back early and I'm, I'm thankful for it because I was fresh for the next day's uh, events. Um, and then we went on to, um, well, we had a stadium tour in the afternoon, but before that we, we, we were on CBS um, News, got interviewed just outside the link where they managed to spell my name wrong, which... No, of course, full name. Yeah, so it should live with me for the entire trip. And I don't think will will leave me now. Everyone knows about it back in the UK. But yeah, the it was the thing what happened was I'd never been on TV before, and especially not in America. And just the camera the, the microphone gets thrust in my face and it's like, Can you tell us your name and spell it out for us? And I was like, Are we live? Because that doesn't seem like a normal thing to do. So I was like, oh, I must not be live, but is this more like a I don't know, media terms, like a pre thing where they get all the information. So when they do all the stuff, so I was like, uh, uh, Phil Matt Stevens, and then I spelled it out and waited all day. We went to the stadium tour and then we went to Chickies and Pete's in the afternoon and caught the CBS 4 p.m. newsreel, waited two hours for the, the segment to come on the TV. And then it just comes up on the screen, Phil Mount Stevens, and the whole bar just erupts and i'm just like left you know when you kind of like you're 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 only caught off guard by something and you don't want to let your true emotion show which is utter devastation you're like i can't believe this has happened to me so you're trying to sort of laugh it off your face just like it doesn't bother you yeah and it's like (laughs) but deep down i was dying inside um and they they got back to liam and they said oh we realized we've spelled it wrong we've corrected it but it was too late the, uh, the damage was done. The damage is now done. You need to make that your profile for. <laughs> I should. You need to make that your profile for. You need to own it, don't you? You have to own these kind of embarrassing moments, otherwise they just shatter you forever. But yeah, um, like I said, it's just an unbelievable day. The stadium tour with E-Rock e- um, and Gail Saunders and a couple of fourth and John boys, I think, were there as well. Um, Surprisingly, they'd not been on a stadium tour before. I'm surprised how I thought they were there almost for yeah. us, but they were there for themselves as much as 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 us. And got a stadium tour, got a picture of the Super Bowl trophy in the locker room with E Rock, which was sort of a bit of a highlight for me. 
going in the locker room, I mean, the, the amount of access that the stadium tour gives just any old person, like if you went on a stadium tour in the UK, you wouldn't get anywhere near the locker rooms. You wouldn't get any, you go, you go in a, I've been on, I've been on a stadium tour of Old Trafford and you get to walk around, you sit in the stands, you get a bit of a history lesson and you can walk around the museum. That's about it. It's nothing exciting. But we were sort of walking on the hallowed turf that Jalen Hurts and uh, AJ Brown like walk around in their cleats, fully kitted out. The locker spaces that you could like. Obviously, there's no atmosphere in there at that time, but you can kind of get the sense of like this big room with fifty odd blokes getting ready to face the Dallas Cowboys a few days after we were in there, and going around and just seeing name cards above lockers and just seeing like that's where Jalen Hurts like focuses and gets himself ready like this is the spot this is the hallowed turf where our hero our savior is sort of getting himself psyched up and then um the the tour tour guide charlotte was great because they they think as you come out of the uh, the locker room there's like a an entertainment pad almost like a jukebox on the side of the wall and it, she was like what we'll do is we're going to do the walkout I'm like, okay cool that sounds cool it's like but i'll tell you exactly when to start walking so just Stand there, soak it in, soak the start of the song. Didn't know what song was coming out. Ooh. So she starts it, and it's um, for those is it those about to rock. I'd actually know uh, it was song very well. No, it wasn't Thunderstruck. Was not. It was. Oh, sorry. Uh, no. It's similar, like the opening's similar, but it's, it's. I think it's for those about to rock or something like that. But um, then it builds up, and then as the and it sort of the first bit kicks in, she's like, "Follow me," and we all all this like. The whole tour starts walking down the hallway with all the lights going off and the music, with all the Super Bowl placards and the famous players and the championship wins and stuff like that on the left hand side as you go down. Then you turn the corner towards the towards the stadium and you've got fly eagles fly all lit up in green and white. And obviously, there's a shutter down where the players would normally actually go through, so we had to kind of go through a side door. So that's where my I took a video. It ends, and then I I took another one walking out onto the pitch, but. With that level of access, it was just um, like that was, and it's apparently it's, it's really not even that expensive. So if you do ever get to go over there, Mick, one day in the future, it's really not. I think it's something like twenty dollars. I think to to go around the stadium. You could, we went into the media suite. We went into where um, Mike is it Mike Quick and and Merrill Reese do the the Ooh. Eagles broadcast. We, yeah, we saw where the yeah, the booth, and and we went down and, and saw the sensory room, which was amazing as well. The the Eagle sensory room, which they have, um, obviously because of the autism side of things, and and obviously Jeffrey Lurie is massive on that. But um, we were being told that how it's it's there on game days. So like, if you take your kids there and they get a bit overwhelmed, you can just I think you just tell someone and they take you to that sensory room, and you can stick your kids in there. There's screens all around, so you can the parents can still catch the game. But like they they. There's little things like that. They kind of like, for me, obviously, with my young lad, that sort of stuff, like I know about the sensory rooms. He has a nursery. So to have that in, a, in the stadium of your favourite football team. So if you wanted to go there with your kids on, on game day and it just got a bit too much, they they thought of that. Come a long um, way from uh, when they have a, a, a jail cell in the yeah, you yeah, have in a sensory exactly. room in the link. They come from jail <laughs> to the sensory room. That's a bit of a, a contrast. I'll give you that. Um but yeah, it's like that. That was that was day one. <laughs> that was just day one, and 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 that was almost like we hadn't even seen any sport or anything, and we just we've done so much. Um, Saturday came along, um, and we knew we had the the sweep for the Sixers game. So um, Saturday morning for me was a bit of sightseeing, and went to the Reading Terminal Market, got myself a 
a roast pork sandwich from the Knicks, um, and a, I think we've got a soft pretzel as well from there. But that Reading Terminal Market, for all that, if you've never been to Philly, or if you have, but you've never been to Reading Terminal Market, you must check it out. It's like a, a labyrinth of eats, of Philly eats and, and butchers and, 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 and all sorts of stuff. It's, it's basically like, there's nothing special. There's nothing like not glamorous. It's just that's Philly food in a in a nutshell. You want to go and get some some proper Philly eats, you go there. Um, I bought the wife a handbag and some perfume, guilt presents. Um, of course, you've got to think <laughs> when you're out in your jollies, they bring a present back. <laughs> yeah, so I made sure that's I, why you brought me one, of course, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We felt so bad that you couldn't join us now. Um, fully deserved jersey. Mix, um, if you're not watching, you're listening, mix over his, uh, his left shoulder has got a fuse AJ Brown jersey. Now, I'm supremely jealous because. I had to get a Hertz jersey because I have technically an AJ Brown jersey. I have a Kelsey jersey, and they were the only real ones I think that had fuse left. It's so hard to get a fuse jersey out there, and they did have a couple of Hertz, but they were like massive. So I wasn't going to sacrifice wearing a tent to get a fuse jersey. So I've I've got just a, a normal one, but it's still Kelly Green jersey is just unbelievable. Just walking into that pro shop and seeing the Kelly Green everywhere, it's just like a kid in a candy shop. But um. Just a little bit to refer back to the the, the this pro shop when we did at the stand the stadium tour. Um, I got you a jersey. I got Katie a jersey. Liam's wife and I've got myself a jersey. And I was like, yeah, I felt good. Then I went round to the kids section and I got my son a, a little Eagles hoodie and an Eagles t shirt. And then as you, as I, I was telling people what I'd got, I was like, oh, yeah, I've got a couple of jerseys, but look what I've got my son. I was <laughs> like, that's that. I was like, I've I was seen more excited about. It, it, it looks pretty good on him to be honest i'm i sent him into nursery with it the on monday because we couldn't find any other hoodies and i and my wife took him in and i said if he doesn't come back with that hoodie that's gonna be problems i said and she, <laughs> i think she took it really i mean i wasn't i was serious but i think she took it literally and she even went to them where's his hoodie when he came out and, and it had been put in his backpack because he wasn't wearing it coming out so i think her heart dropped a bit but no, anyway that's um that's that but just that that side of things was great um then went made our way down to wells fargo um for this the sixes game and it was the one for me that i hadn't ticked off i've seen an ice, an ice hockey game i've seen a baseball game i've seen a few nfl games i was like i've got to tick off the the big four for me um so i was super excited just to watch it anywhere in the stadium would have been good um but vince had secured us a, a suite and now when I say sweet, they're sort of like, I didn't know what to expect, but they're sort of, you know, leather seats at the front, you know, if you've got your row at the front and then you've got your sort of your staging area at the back where you've got like a, if you don't want to watch the game directly, you can just sit up and it's fully catered for all you can eat, um, all you can drink. Um, Hollis Thomas was there, Seth Joyner was there and we were all getting photos with them. It was just unbelievable. Like, like the beers and food and yeah. Yeah, and the, um, and the sort of waitress uh, or the the host was um if there's something here something that you want that's not here just say and being me i just had to look for something that wasn't there just to feel like a vip so i could ask for it um but fortunately for me i would i would have probably asked for it anyway but they didn't have any whiskey so i was like one o'clock in the afternoon had no intention of drinking whiskey but there wasn't any whiskey there and i thought well you never know in the, in, in, the, in the fourth quarter there might be a need to get the whiskey so i um i, I absolutely um got some whiskey but unfortunately obviously 
Americans and whiskey tends to be boring, unfortunately. So there was no uh, single malt on. There was no Loch Lomond, unfortunately. On see, that's your mistake. I told you, you have to ask for scotch when you're American. I, I actually did ask for scotch, I think, but she still, <laughs> when she said what the options were, she was listing bourbons, and I was like, like I said, I wasn't really that bothered about it. It was more just yeah, yeah. So there's a bottle of bourbon there. I want it and. And I think Liam looked over at me and saw that I was drinking bourbon and sort of rolled his eyes. It's just like he knew exactly what was going on. Um, but yeah, like, but I mean, thanks to Vince for the whole trip. But like that sweep was just absolutely unbelievable. And there was quite a few passionate Sixers fans in in the group. Um, and one particular guy, I got to give a shout out, shout out to to Carl. Although I think he is um, actually a Celtics fan, fully clad in in his seventy um, Sixers jersey that he bought from the pro shop. So only he can explain what's going on there, uh, being a Celtics fan wearing a 76ers jersey. But um, when we told him Seth Joyner was coming, I think he was, that's probably one of the biggest fanboy moments I've seen was, was him just being in absolute disbelief that one of his idols, Eagles idols, was was there to just watch the game alongside him. Literally just sat there, you know, eating some food, having a few drinks, talking about the game like it was nothing. Um, and it was just unreal in that regard. Then... <laughs> Once that game was over, obviously the 76 was won, which was great. Um, a really good game. And then we went over to Xfinity Live to meet Coach meet Coach Singleton. Now, this wasn't um confirmed until we till we actually got there, because initially we didn't know how much time coach would give us, where we could admit him, but he gave us a good hour of his time, came over to Xfinity Live and just sat in a bar with us for for a good hour, taking photos, talking about stuff, you know, the eve of a game, the Cowboys game. Um, came over to Xfinity Live and just talked to us and just was so just as excited to meet us. Um, gave us his best British and Irish accent um, impression. No, I was there. Uh, it was good. He's like, no, it was a lot of British here. Um, oh, really? Was it like um, like a London? Yeah, South, I, South I London he, accent. He did it on the fly, and he um, <laughs> it was it was everyone just loved it, um, and then he just sort of. But like he could have been really standoffish, but he got us, he wanted a group hug at the end. So he's like, group hugs, everyone's got a chance to hug <laughs> the running back, assistant yeah, coach of the Eagles. Coach um Coach Singh's absolute legend. Um and then he then he obviously shot off and um we decided to go in and watch the fighters because they were playing later on that evening. So they'd switched the stadium around. We managed to get back into the stadium and, and watch the flyers. So day two done. We watched the Sixers, Flyers, seen Coach Singleton, met Seth Joyner, met Hollis Thomas again, and and been treated like VIPs in the suite. Um, and then Sunday, the whole reason we were there, got up early in the morning, and we all went down to Rittenhouse Square, um, near where, um, well near the hotel, and we met Dave Spadero, no biggie. Um, he came into the, the park for us and wanted to do a bit of promo with us, so. He, he sort of did his little video for us and just stood and, and chatted to us about how we felt about the game. It's just nice to meet him in person. Like all these people that, for me personally, it was we've spoken to a lot of these people. I know we've spoken to Coach twice on podcasts, but to finally meet him in person was an E Rock. Similarly, in Gail, for me, it was just like meeting these people in person. So, all just just to yeah, thank them. Right. It's, it's, it's so much similar to you know during COVID when everything was remote and you were speaking to people on your team and maybe you had new recruits and you were talking to people and you'd never met them 
Um, but, but you know, after COVID had blown over and you, you started to return to the office again, you started to, to actually meet people, and it's a totally different experience, isn't it, from um, from the virtual one that we're, we're so used to. But it's <sighs> jealous, mate, jealous. I know. I, I feel. I do feel bad doing this, mate. This is why we 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 were supposed to be recording this podcast about a couple of days ago. We were trying to make sure. To oh, this is all Liam's fault, by the way. Then listeners are still with us. Um, <laughs> uh, Liam postponed us for three consecutive days and still did not turn up to the podcast. Thanks, Liam. Appreciate it. Sorry, <laughs> so you. I just no, 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 I'm. I'm... I'm, I'm with you, man. It was um, it's a shame you couldn't be here. It would have been nice to sort of bounce off him. I'm sure there might be things that I forget or or the bounce off him. I feel like I'm just going, Mick, look how great our trip was. <laughs> I feel terrible just like talking about it, but I know it's for all you listeners out there as well. Um, no, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying that it. weren't there, um, just to generate a bit of FOMO because, like Mick said, we will we will be doing this next year. Um, so there will be stuff coming out very soon to say how you can get your place secured. Um, once we get that sorted, then we'll be sent out to you. But like I said, we got we were up to Sunday, and it was sort of, you know, when you kind of know you, everyone's not, no one's really thinking about the game. They are, but you know, what I mean, you kind of just want to put it out of your mind because it's it's four o'clock in the afternoon. This is like 10, 11 o'clock. We're meeting Dave Spadero, and it's sort of don't want to get too excited too soon because it's like when you get too excited for Christmas Day when you're a kid, and Christmas Eve just drags, man. Um, and you, you get to that point, we um. We then went to Fourth and John's tailgate to start off because our our tailgate didn't start till half one. So we went down there a little bit early just to sort of meet up with Gail because I wanted to experience a Fourth and John podcast podcast um, tailgate because we know we know if you don't if you do listen to the guys, um, Evan is a master chef, does all his cheesesteaks, is 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 um, um, all his different meals. They're fully you know free beer, free free water, free everything. It's just nice to go and and see those guys. Um, you know, and test out my skills throwing the pigs game. If you've seen that video, sign you up, coach, because pretty good throw on my throwing arm, if I must say so myself. Um, but tragedy did strike me for a little bit. I will say, not many people know about this, but I suddenly came down with a migraine during the tailgate, and for a second, my day was uh, potentially going to be ruined because I thought I'm going to be come down with a migraine and not be able to go to the game because. It's obviously very loud in the tailgate, very, and it was such a glorious day. It was so warm. It's like nearly twenty degrees in November mm. in Philadelphia, and and I sort of had to take myself away. Vince's uh, wife rescued me with some some Advil. Um, I'm sure there's a joke in there somewhere, um, and I had to sit in a, a, a dark, uh, dark, quiet room for about half an hour before I sort of myself again. So fortunately, I managed to write myself and join um, the Philly Sports Ships tailgate at Live Casino, which was ridiculously impressive in itself. We had 97.5 um, radio station there doing their doing their, their pre-game uh, warm-up. We had Hollis Thomas there again. Um, games, free bar, free food, just a chance to to really soak in the casino. You could go and play some blackjack if you wanted to. If, you, if you're not feeling a tailgate, go and lose some money before the game. That was the option. That will be happening every year. So if, if, you, if we do, when we do do this again, um, the tailgate will most likely be there, so it's absolutely fantastic location. A little bit away from the the, the, the parking lots, but gave us a chance to sort of properly soak it in. I'm not going to go too much more into 
the game because we're going to cover that. I know you've stuck with us for the 25 minutes that we've been recording so far, but the trip was just that amazing and that jam-packed that I could talk for hours about every little nuanced thing about it. Yeah, um, it's probably better that we don't have Liam today because it would. Yeah, we probably would have to do a separate podcast. Hour. Be a separate <laughs> pod, and there probably might be some point in the off season. I'm sure when he's next, about. when we do our next podcast, he'll he'll, he'll wedge it in. He'll, we'll do it. We'll be talking about this again. There'll be other nuanced stuff that he got up to because he was out there for an extra week. As if you didn't know that, I'm sure you do because he made sure everyone knew he was out there the week before. Um, one one last little thing before we do get into the game was, um, for me, I know. ESP is a, is a bit of a divisive character amongst Eagles fans, but for me, he's a key part of where I started listening and I managed to meet him in person, which was an absolute challenge in itself because he was obviously covering the game. Which he, the only time he could give to us was 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 actually at the game. So at halftime, I had to miss Devontae Smith touchdown. Um, but the reason I missed, I know, I think we came back, I came back just to my seat, just as they'd scored it, I think. Um, but... I had to go with uh, Liam's and Katie's uncle Tony. Um, he'd see. I, I was going to go. Liam was going to come with me, but he couldn't in the end. And then, then his uncle Tony was like, "I'll come with you." Um, so he kind of walked with me. We had to walk all the way around to the media suite, um, go up a up a floor, and then wait in the VIP area. Now, we got to the the roped area of the 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 middle suites, um, and the, the security naturally wouldn't let me in. Not, not sure why I thought I'd be able to just walk in, but they obviously stopped me, held me just outside the door. And I knew ESP was coming down and me and Tony were stood there waiting for ESP to come down. And, and Tony was like, I, I need to go to the toilet. So he's like, I was like, okay, cool. But I think I was so fixated on looking out for ESP because I didn't know where he was going to come from. I was looking at crowds of people going, where's ESP? And find, find and shout him. Um, Tony then left. I completely didn't didn't pay it no mind and the security guard came up to me and she was like where's your friend i was like i, I, I don't know actually <laughs> you know when someone just says i'm going to the toilet you just yeah yeah cool and i was like i don't actually know where he went to the toilet i don't know if he went back down he just i think he might just walk through the security while they weren't looking so i think they then were looking at me going if he doesn't come back soon you're in trouble and i was like oh, I'm okay um <laughs> And then ESP comes out, and I'm like, hey, Elliot, Elliot. And then Elliot comes over, and and uh, literally have he has about 30 seconds because obviously what happened, and we'll get into it in a minute. Um, Jalen Hurts obviously had that injury scare just before the half. So what would happen when he'd agreed to meet me? Then Jalen Hurts had had a knock, and so he came. He still came and met me to his. To, to be fair, he could have easily just messaged me going, "Look, I've got too much. I've got to find out what's going on with Jalen." Um, because obviously that's his job. Um, if he comes and says, Oh, sorry, I didn't know what was going on with Jalen because I was meeting a fan, <laughs> he'd probably be in trouble. So he came and met me, had a brief, brief conversation, and then um then he left. And then I was still stuck there without <laughs> without Tony going, <laughs> I don't know where he is. The screw won't let me leave, even to go back. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh my god, what's going on? And then Tony suddenly appeared from nowhere and we and we scarped off and unfortunately just missed the Devontae Smith touchdown, but yeah, so I missed I missed that great touchdown live. Thanks, Elliot. But also thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, did you did you make Elliot miss the Devontae Smith touchdown as well? But oh, it's, it's, it it's sounds like much further didn't. to go. It sounds like you didn't. But yeah, like I said, um, the whole trip was absolutely amazing. We will be doing it again 
in future years um whether i'm there or not hopefully i can go there every year but we'll see what happens and you do not want to miss out on it because there's a lot of things that you might think well that was just the first one we won't get that kind of level of treatment i wouldn't be so sure so there's a lot of things that that will be in place every time we go and it'll be it'll be just as special so don't don't miss out on your opportunity if you miss out this year make sure you get your place down when they become available right that's your ears bled for 30 minutes on on the on the uh, on the trip um if you haven't switched off already we're going to now talk about the game that we all um have been dying to talk about because it has been the bye week so we we have we didn't we didn't podcast right after the game because we want to you know coming back from the trip and i think a lot of us <laughs> well me and liam included were a bit knackered so we finally got around to it on Thursday, just before the next game. Um, so, mate, let's... Exactly. I've been dying to talk about this game since last <laughs> last Sunday. And here we are. <laughs> you know, geez, oh man, we're sitting here on the 16th and the game was, what, the 5th? The 5th? Oh, when you say it like that, it sounds bad. That is um, bad. <laughs> you don't, don't tell me you didn't enjoy enjoy a week off, a bit of, a, a bit of downtime. <laughs> Away from away from the sport, like you know, it's bye week. It's a bye week for the podcast as well. It's, it's, we've got yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So anyway, the the twenty eight twenty three win, we beat the Cowboys, and we were all there to witness it, which was all the more special. I think um, after the game, I definitely had a little bit of an, an outpouring of emotion from a personal perspective. I think partly because of how the trip had gone, how busy it was, and the climax of the trip was the game. That's the reason we were there. And I think throughout the whole trip, I wasn't that going to, I kept saying to myself, I'm not going to be that upset if we don't win because it's, it's such an amazing trip. Like, I don't want to put all my my hopes on the win. And if, it, if they don't win, I'm devastated because this trip has been amazing. No, I told you but, not to go back if they didn't win. So we... Well, you did. And there was that. I don't think I would have survived the airport if Mick had been there waiting for us if we'd come back with, a, with an L. But we won. And I think that just absolutely summed it up. The, the whole trip and what a game Mick. I mean it had a lot of things it was it was a bit up and down it didn't feel like we were particularly out of control of the game despite having a almost catastrophic fumble towards the end of the game but it felt very much especially in the stands that you know we we, we took the lead early yes we went down 14-7 um early in the second quarter but it felt very much that we were capable of getting back into it. The crowd were there. The atmosphere was electric. We felt like the team just could not lose this game. And yeah, we got a little bit lucky at the end um, with a few. Well, I say lucky. I know it's probably harsh to say lucky. It feels lucky because, you know, you want to come away with a win. Um, I feel fortunate that things went our way. But the team ground out that win on defence and it did look a, bit hopeless, a little bit hopeless for for a few seconds towards the end of the fourth quarter, Mick. But um, the team just found a way to to grind out the win. What was your overall thoughts back in the UK watching it? What was it like watching on TV? Did you kind of get a different sense of the game? Well, it's, it's not for the faint-hearted, the sport that we love so much, um, especially when you watch a game like that coming down to the wire against your fiercest rivals, knowing that your that your friends and comrades are sitting in the stands as well. And not only did we want to win for our team, but we wanted to win for you guys as well. You know, we want, we, we were willing it on. Oh, thanks, you, could, 
the group chat was alive. The group chat was electric. It always is during game day. And um, the the second half of that game, particularly the last, the, the fourth quarter, shall we say, put years on me. They put years on pretty much every Eagles fans that, that, that was tuned in and glued to their screen throughout that because Dallas were doing, were just throwing the ball all over the yard on the Eagles and we could do nothing to stop it other than, you know, <clears throat> put the ball in harm's way or, you know, not be able to put a, a play or a series together on offense at the time and um you know draw flags and it was just all piling up against the eagles towards the end of the game and we were fearing the worst obviously from that uh it, it just wasn't <laughs> it wasn't good viewing but obviously we, we ultimately ultimately the eagles just win and i said the same thing on a podcast we were on just before we started this one tonight phil um, this team is so resilient. They, they find ways to just come out the better team, um, no matter what. The The defence may not have been getting to the quarterback all the way through the game, but they did it when it mattered. At the end of the game, Brandon Graham came up with some massive moments. Josh, Josh Sweat came up with a massive moment. Uh, Hassan Reddick, you know, the, the, the playmakers made the plays that need to be made at the time uh maybe i wish they could do it a little sooner than that to save my um <laughs> to, to save my heart bursting out my chest during the game but at the end of the day we come out with the dub we take a, a massive lead in the nfc race to the number one seed and it's massive massive win going into this gauntlet run that we're about to embark on so uh, the game was very, very important from that perspective, and it puts it in perspective that the whole season thus far, we're an eight and one team, and half the time we can do nothing but complain about you know what we've seen that's that's not going quite well for us, but we can be in a much, much worse position than we are just now, and we're we're very fortunate to be where we are. I think just overall big yeah. picture thoughts. <clears throat> yeah, some some absolutely great points there. Um, about how the game ended and and, and how the, the Cowboys were throwing. I mean, looking at the box score alone, the the Cowboys threw for for three hundred seventy four yards compared to our two hundred. Uh, I had it up a second ago, uh, two hundred and seven yards of of passing. So there's a massive contrast there. Ceedee Lamb went for one hundred and ninety one yards receiving. It didn't feel like that in the game. Uh, being in the stadium, I know. He, he had a lot of catches. I think when you're watching the game, when you're watching it side to side, because we were in one, we were in the um, the end zone for the AJ Brown. Um, every I think every touchdown apart from the game world touchdown, if I'm correct, um, and it you don't get a feel for the distance, obviously, because you're looking at the pitch long length ways. Um, I, I think when you watch it on TV, you, the, how much the screen moves from left to right or right to left when a pass is thrown gives you a bit more of a sense of of how many big plays there were. But yeah. looking at it from a different angle, it just doesn't have the same effect. But you, I, I think maybe just the getting wrapped up in the game, you just don't focus on those little nuances as, as, as much as you do watching it from home. Um, 
and you know but they're just tight end Ferguson was had 91 yards as well so between two players they had two, 282 receiving yards um just between two players that's that's you, w- you would have thought if you don't see with a box score if someone showed you that those stats just there you'd be like oh my god the Eagles got absolutely annihilated but again like I said watching the game it just didn't feel like we were out of the game or losing control of the game apart from maybe towards that that the, the final drive just before the few the, you know the consecutive sacks and the penalties that sort of pushed them back you know they were down on what the 10 yard line um with 30 seconds 25 seconds to go it felt like the only thing that stopped me from feeling absolute panic mode was the fact that they'd failed that two-point conversion um and they needed a touchdown they couldn't they couldn't the field goal was no good so i was like you know maybe we'll get a start maybe we'll get lucky maybe we'll make them do something desperate so i think when when discussing the game the, the key the key play for me i think was the the failed two-point conversion i think if they get that they're within three points and they can get a field goal to go to overtime then who knows what's ha- what happens after that so I think that was massive probably the most massive factor in the win was that we held them on that two-point conversion um which was uh by rights when no it wasn't when Dak Prescott got pushed out of bounds but it was a key defensive start to stop them from getting that yeah, he's, 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 he's stepped out of bounds when um, it was. It was that when one. I thought it was bearing down on him. Yeah, yeah, and and he, and he fortunately, I say fortunately again. This is what I'm saying. Is when you're talking about luck, it feels lucky, but I guess it wasn't. It was just good defensive play and pushing pushing Dak out that wide, and Dak making the mistake of not trying to sort of um, tightrope the line enough. You know, he's not. That's not his job. He's not a running back. He's not that known for his running. So you can argue that that was just symptomatic of a quarterback scrambling yeah, that's um, where, that that's was absolutely when, massive sorry that's when they say it's a game of inches because you look at the the inches that Dak stepped out of bounds on that play and then you look at Schoenmaker who caught the the ball for the touch the touchdown that was that then was... struck and up struck and off um we read Blankenship providing the coverage on that and that's a great defensive play that's 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 not luck it, um that <laughs> is that is read um making the stop yeah I, I know i know i just said about that two-point failed two-point conversion being the biggest player I, I do believe that but you know equally that that non-touchdown um i remember you know that was in our end that was where we were sat and we were just looking down there i think the general feeling was that everyone's like oh shit um what's gonna happen now like that's they've scored that far <laughs> too easily what's gonna happen now um, and then they were reviewing it, and we saw the review, the, the replays on the screen. And I think you could just sense the whole stadium just sort of started. The murmur started, then the then the shouts started, then the cheers started. As we saw that his, his his knee outside of the end zone went down first, so he was down by contact on the one yard line, turnover on downs, and then obviously subsequently after that point, the tush push in on our own one yard line. I think that was the turning point in the momentum of mm. yeah we're going to win this game um yeah. because of little things like that going our way and yes the cowboys go oh, the, the the officials were against us no the officials just called called the game 
as as it should have been called. I don't think there was many points in the game where people, apart from maybe the uh, roughing the passer call on on Hassan Reddick, yeah, I mean, I'll give him that. It it was a bit of a silly a silly push. I think he probably I don't know in the moment could he have pulled out, but I feel like he thought he pulled out enough, and I think maybe Dak went down a little bit too easily, and, and it got, it's one of those things where certain referees will be calling that all day long. Some of them will probably look at that and go, no, he's, he's, he's looking for it. So I think the, that particular official called it, and I think it's as shit as it was. It kind of, you know, he did run into him and, and knock him over well after the pass had been thrown. So, and the, deep, the DPI on, on Bradbury, I think, was a little bit harsh as well. I think it probably was, but it's one of those things where it's on the line, and 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 if if you're if you're on the opposite if you're on the opposite side you call it you want them to call it if if you're on the side where it gets called against you you think it's unfair but ultimately I think it was correct you know what all the, the calls overall were, were yeah I think quite good swings and roundabouts I don't think about yeah. that podcast really to dwell too much on the referee nah. decisions <laughs> so let's let's get on with it let's let's get with get into the the minutia of of the game and let's talk about the good the bad and the the damn right sexy i trusted mick there he was right there ready to go with the the soundbite well done there mick um so i think the general theme this season has been we've started on the bad to end on the good so let's get through the bad first and and first up on the notes is ball security now the eagles fumbled it three times during that game and again, in the stadium, you don't get a feel for those kind of nuances until quite well after it. You're like, oh, God, I didn't realise that would happen. Or, um, you know, if you're not in that area of the field, especially the uh, the swift fumble into AJ Brown mix up right at the end, right in the moment in the game where you want full security to be the number one thing when you're trying to run out the game clock is to not run into your own player and fumble the ball. But that being said, all three fumbles were recovered. So, again, going back to the fortune and the, and the luck side of things, you can argue that we were fortunate in all three fumbles. We didn't turn over the ball. So, are we going to look at that? If we'd lost the game, that would be us screaming at the team, going, ball security, ball security, ball security. We lost the game because you couldn't hold on to the fucking ball. Um, <laughs> but we won. So, again, we're going to be looking at this with slightly rose-tinted glasses going, wow, well, you know, no harm, no foul. So um, from your perspective, Mick, watching on the screen, how did it, how did the fumble sort of feel? Does it, does it feel like it's just one of those things or do you think there's um, a problem there? Because before you go into it, and typical Liam fashion, I'll ask you a question and I'll ramble on for another two minutes um, <laughs> before actually getting, giving you a chance to speak. Um, sorry, Liam, uh, we love you. Um, no, it, it was... Um, I forgot, I forgot what I was going to say. I've done a Liam, and I'm not done a Liam. But yeah. It's all right. Um, I'm going to talk about the fumble. So, um, yes, you, you hate, you absolutely hate them anytime they happen because not only if you do recover the ball, normally when you do recover the ball, it's, it's still a lost place, a loss of downs, um, and it just kills the drive. The drive killers fumbling the ball and it's happening far too much this season so when you had your group uh, hug with uh, Coach Sings I hope you maybe that, said that was in, in his ear get the boxing gloves out mate this has to stop this has to stop at some point this season that, that, that I was just going to say that's actually 
what where my trailer thought was going, which I just escaped me for a second, was I was saying, like, despite all the fumbles, like we literally met with the running backs coach of the Eagles the day before, and the temptation to sort of ask him, like, oh, is uh, DeAndre Swift going to be, you know, is he going to have a good game? Like trying to get some inside playing tips from the Eagles. Because, I mean, why not? I mean, I wasn't looking to make any money off it. I just wanted some reassurance from my perspective that the running game had been a bit subdued last mm-hmm. few weeks. I was like, you know, are we going to see a bit of, a, of an increase in the running game? Are we going to get DeAndre Swift unleashed again? Yeah, he unleashed it right into AJ Brown's backside. <laughs> well, that's a, that that is the that is the particular one that was actually really bad because it was a such a pivotal time in the game. Philadelphia getting the ball back uh, with one seventeen on the clock to close out the game, and we go three and out because of the fumble on third and seven, uh, where you know there's a a miscommunication there's a bad timing between AJ Brown between DeAndre Swift and the ball ends up on the ground and I have I've watched that replay Phil I know you said you watched the game back I've watched that replay countless times I don't understand how Steen recovered that ball I don't know how he got it I just don't understand <laughs> Mika Parsons was right on top of it and then all of a sudden there's a dog pile and and uh, Steen comes up with the ball. What a massive moment for his first start in the NFL as well. And um, a massive boost one of one of the hero plays of the game because if that didn't go Philadelphia's way, we could be looking at a completely different result. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like I said, what a, one absolute Philip for the um, for the rookie guy going into his his first official start comes up with what arguably the game winning play. Game saving play probably is more accurate, I suppose. Um, you're right how he how he came up with that ball, but then I think generally when there's a when there's a fumble and there's a scramble to get the ball, it's absolutely anyone's guess where the ball ends up. It squirms and squeezes and pings around. And you just got to hope that it's your player that is the last person to touch it. And you can I always do wonder when it's when those sort of things happen, what it must be like in the middle of that pile. Like the sheer panic, the desperation, <laughs> the limbs, you know, like you're sticking your your hand in wherever you can see the ball mm-hmm. like you don't know what's going to happen to that arm when you when you get it back um and to come up with a, a fumble even if it's a recovery or or a turnover if you're on your defensive player it must be such a crazy split second moment to, to then come out with that but yeah insane. i mean we always wonder what happens to jason kelsey on the, the touch burst and how he, how he comes out every week springs back up like a um trying to think of like those those toys that you get that you just like collapse them down and just pop back up again um it feels like that's what jason kelsey is this season he's just one of those things just push it down and bing there he is again um but yeah so fumbles massive massive issue for the eagles um well turnovers have been a massive issue for the eagles this season although it feels like despite of that having significant increase in in negative turnovers the Eagles still seem to be seem to be more solid. It doesn't make sense to me. My gut says I'm not worried about it, but my head saying that's a lot of turnovers. So it's sort of like your head versus heart, kind of going. I don't know why I'm not as worried as I should, probably should be by it. But um, let's um, because let's we're move winning on games, folks. Because we're winning games. Yeah, I guess once you're winning, everything it's just win Sunday, isn't it? Just win, and everything seems great. Um, the secondary pass funnel. So Dak was. 29 of 44 for 370 yards, as I mentioned, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. 
Um, connected with CeeDee Lamb 11 times for 191 yards, I've already said, and, and Jake Ferguson got 91 yards on seven, seven catches and a touchdown. It's a worry that Bradbury has not been performing um, to standard. I've been, I think I'm the last person sort of defending him up until last week. It's, it is worrying um, how much he's getting beaten, but why? I mean, I know you can't necessarily answer the why, but in your opinion, Mick, why is Bradbury struggling so much this season? What what seems to be the reason why? Is it because of the injuries that we've had and him being shifted around? Is it the fact that people are not targeting Slay and going for him more? Um, what do you think is the main reason for, for Bradbury struggling so much? I'm not sure if it's just a, a, an age thing, Phil, and he's just lost a step, uh, especially you think when it's you've got... just purely based on pace. It could be. It could be. Um, one faced up against some of the, the elite receivers that we, we seem to see um, from our schedule. Our schedule is, is pretty tough uh, this season compared to a year ago when James Bradbury had you know one all-pro season or second-team all-pro season. Um, you might say that yeah, the the schedule was you quite said, said, and when we didn't have the elite quarterbacks throwing throwing up the up the ball against us, but when you say the yeah. schedule's been easier, but the one loss that we've had has come against Zach Wilson and <laughs> yes, and the Jets team. So that's the NFL for you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you can just never quite tell how it's going to go any given week, but I, I think. Uh, most Eagles fans or fans of the NFL in general would agree that James Bradbury hasn't lived up to what he was able to produce last season, and whether or not is because, like you said, he's been he's been forced into the slot. Uh, we, we saw during training camp he was he was asked to do you know put any of that role possibly you know because he's a physical corner. He, um, he likes to get his hands on people uh, sometimes a little bit too much and he, he can draw a flag. We saw that in the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, and actually in this Dallas game in particular, I think there was there was a, a particular down, it was a crucial down towards the end of the game and he wasn't flagged on that play, but he, he very well could have been. Uh, it may have been one of the, the last plays to close the game on. Uh so, you know, we're looking for a little bit more. I think if there's a possibility, can James Bradbury can only improve going into the second half of the season because of you know how low the stock is at the moment. I think might would be a, a fair assessment. Uh, listening to the podcast uh, the week prior, uh, I wasn't on that podcast. I missed that one. I can't put my finger on why. Probably my kids were sick or something like that. Uh, is you know, flu season happens. Um, hmm. But I, I do recall Liam and yourself discussing James Bradbury in particular being a liability, and that was a, a, the Washington game. And uh, it's, it's something that we have to address. And it's something I think Sean Desai will be addressing, whether that's giving a bit more help on that side of the field. Um, playing different coverage packages to ensure that you know we're not leaving 
James Bradbury on an island with the, the top receiver. Uh, I have more faith in Sean Desai than I do in any player at the at the moment. So I, I think if if there is a problem, a stark problem, that Sean Desai is is more than capable of of fixing that um, personnel problem uh, by just just by um, you know strategy. Yeah, I, I I get what you're saying, like, and I think that while you were while you were talking, and that's exactly where my mind was going to when I was searching for my thoughts on it. Was that if you know if it wasn't for the the ability of Desai to adapt this season, as I mentioned on the podcast that we guested on earlier on tonight, um, it is the fact that the adapting of the defense has been good. It, they've been able to mitigate for these um, weaknesses and. Hopefully that will translate into overall game plan. So, if he needs to adapt to mitigate the fact Bradbury's just not having a good season, um, whether it's the opposition that he's playing or whether it is because he's lost a step, I think the confidence should be there that that, that the side can can find a way to overcome it. So, hopefully, I mean, I think if it was any, if it was a rookie or a slightly less experienced player, a slightly less statured player. We'd be looking at well, who, who who's the next man up? Who's who, who's going to come in? He needs to be <laughs> needs to be benched for this guy. But you can't bench a guy like James Bradbury. So mm. you're going to have to find a way to 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 work around whatever it is that's going on. Um, also in the in the secondary is Kevin Byard has not hit the ground running. I mean, how much time are we going to give? A player of his his magnitude coming from um, the Titans over everyone's losing their minds over the fact that we managed to get him before the trade deadline. The fact that we signed all the players on the trade deadline was mitigated. Yeah, but we got Bayard, so we're good. Um, we'll be okay. Um, he's not hit the ground running. Are you are you worried, or are you just thinking give the give the guy a couple of games? It's only been two games that he's been been playing for, or is do you know what I mean? How much time do you give yeah, a player yeah. that that magnitude before you start getting worried? There's there's concern there. Um, I won't lie, and it, it it's because of you know what we've seen so far hasn't been great. But as you say, he's new to the team. He's new to the scheme. Um, hopefully, because of this period that we've had over the last week or so, he's got the bye week. He's got time to prepare, he's got time to get to know his teammates, get to know um, Ghost, who plays alongside him, um, get the communication going, get uh, the playbook down, uh, get to know Sean Desai, get to know the defensive scheme um, and how he's expected to play versus you know what he's been doing all his whole career so far at the Titans. Um, because it is still a culture shock for some of these guys to move from one area to to the next. You can't really expect them to, you know, just transition seamlessly. Um, although, of course, with the sports fans, we're 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 on their back straight away, um, which is to be expected because it's a a, a results driven um, sport that we watch. So we, with we, all we, that, we didn't sign we didn't sign him for the future, did we? We signed him no, to be the impact season. Yeah, of course. So is he an upgrade from you know Justin Evans? Yes, he is. 
Um, I think that he will, if, if I was to, you know, be a betting man and, and put money on it, I would say that I would put money on Kevin Byard showing out more than he has so far this season. Uh, it's a low bar to set, but uh, I, I think he's, he's going to come on to a good game and, and see us in good stead towards the end of the season uh, and show that veteran presence that he has and the knowledge that he has in the game um, and hopefully steer us towards the playoffs and uh, that number one seed that we're trying to strive for. So um, all the hope in the world, but we need to see it. Uh, ultimately, we need to see um the ball hawk that we've been promised uh the experience that we've been promised and uh, uh show us a little something i think this this yeah. next game is, is is going to be crucial i think even though it's against the chiefs it's against patrick mahomes uh which is a hard is a hard sell but uh we need to see something from kevin i'm afraid in this one yeah took, took the words right out of my mouth so i won't i won't touch any more than that he uh he needs to show out. Unfortunately, the next game is probably the, one of the hardest, toughest games um, of the season, especially so far, but probably overall. So it's going to be a tough, a tough matchup. But maybe that will bring out the, you know, we need we need a really tough matchup for him to really sort of break out in in, in, in his position in the Eagles team. Um, just the last couple of bits of bad before we move on to the good, mainly injury related. So we all know about the Dallas Goddard um, injury. He's he's had a, a, a fractured forearm. Um, during the game, um, completely didn't know because we saw that we saw again that play. Most of the plays happened on our end. We we're so fortunate that we, <laughs> that we got to see most of them up close. Unfortunately, the Dallas Goddard injury were, was also one of them. But you know that catch, it was the euphoria of such a big play, brought it in, massive yak um, to get the the first down and gets right down to the the the, the, the red zone. Um, and I think it was like you know when you kind of celebrate it, so you're jumping around. You know, oh my god, what a catch! Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, everyone's like chucking their beers around, and then after you've settled down, you look about on the field and you see someone down. And I generally had to ask. I said, "Is that Goddard?" Because I didn't see him go down. And obviously, you see the play go down. You're like, "It's a catch." He's got the first down. Brilliant. Moving on, celebrating, ready for the next play. Got it still down, and I was like, "Oh no!" Obviously, it's something serious. It's something really bad, and he was out for the rest of the game. Um, Massive loss, obviously, doesn't have really need to be um, stated too much. He's going to be out for uh, at least a few weeks. I don't think he's been put on IR yet because I think they're hoping that he could come back before. But it's a it's a it's a bone, it's a broken bone. At the end of the day, it's a fracture. I know, but it's you know it, it's it's a significant injury. It's not something that's not a muscular injury that could heal and be strapped up. It, you know, it's something that needs to be dealt with seriously. And I I know I'd. If it wasn't for the fact that we were going into the buy eight and one, maybe a little bit more worried because I feel like we can we can afford to lose him for a couple couple of weeks because out of the next four games we're probably expecting to maybe lose one or two games or not expecting to, but we've we've made peace with the fact that that's you know a good chance that we won't win all four games. Um, so why not just like not rush him back, make sure he's fit for the the, the postseason. Um, there's been a few. People out there saying, "Oh, that's such a dirty play by the the Cowboys' defensive lineman." I'm not going to get. I'm not going to dwell personally on that too much. I don't know about you, Mick. Whether you feel like it was a particularly dirty play, um, from what I've heard from players, um, and I think God himself and, and other players, it's like you just don't know. You're just grabbing anything you can. 
And I think just how the play happened, it just so ended up that he was holding onto his arm and, and they fell onto that arm. Um, yeah, if if yeah, go on, Nick, go on. It it doesn't look great the way the the, the play transpired. Like God up throws an arm out to stuff arm him, and then you say, well, when you do that, you're you're open to you know getting your your wrist. They're gonna grab onto that appendage, yeah. aren't they? So. Yeah, yeah, because if you're getting a, a, a a forearm thrown in your face you're going to grab onto that forearm on you to yeah. protect yourself and try and slow the guy down and the way they fell together on top of it it makes sense but at the same time i like it's the cowboys so we sort yeah, of feel a bit well of, yeah vitriol towards them and think yeah you dirty bastards when yeah, you're you're out there to try and injure our players or hurt our players. Um, we Jalen getting a shot to the knee as well from a from a helmet shot, and um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, before before you know, we get into the the, the Jalen hurts um, injury, sorry Mick. Um, the biggest problem, I think, the biggest concern that comes out of it is that the last time got it missed some time. The tight end play was non-existent behind mm. him. Now we have got Albert Quagmanam. Um, and we have got Julio Jones as two very good receiving options to come and bind, but it's they're not they're not task got that. So I've now interrupted you. So if you can finish your point and then and go on to the no, not at all. I, I, it's it's a very good point that you make, and it's something that I put in the pod notes, and it's who gets Goddard's target share. Um, where are we expecting? Because we have such a massive drop off in the tight end position from Goddard, it's probably it, it's possibly the biggest drop off that we've got in the team, other other than you know quarterback and big tackle probably. Um, you know you you've got Dallas Goddard, and now you've got behind him is Jack Stoll, who's you know fantastic blocking tight end, but. He's not a pass catching type at tight end. Grant Kilcaterra still in concussion protocol. Not heard anything since, and I don't have a lot of enthusiasm for Grant Kilcaterra in, in particular. Anyway, um, Albert O, who has been gone for most of the season, he's he's been inactive most of the weeks. He was active this week. Um, I'm counting on him for a for a touchdown this season based on one of the one of the games that we've got running for the British and Irish Eagles. Shout out to Ross if you're listening. Um I need <laughs> <laughs> I need uh, Albert O to score me a touchdown. Thank you very much. Uh but you you know it's 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 going to be interesting whether those where those uh targets are distributed if that's going to be you know Julio Jones having a a, a more you know, an increased role from what he was expecting to begin with. Uh, whether that's going, you know, Quest Watkins is probably coming back um, from his hamstring injuries had OZ. Yeah, th- th- there's a number of options that we've got, but at the end of the day, Dallas Goddard is still a massive loss to this offense and how it operates. Yeah. That's right. I think it's going to be interesting to see if the Eagles can can do a better job this season than they did last season of of, of sharing his targets and and making as much good out of the the bad of, of Dallas got up being a way. But um, obviously you touched on the on the Jalen Hurts situation. I mentioned it when I went and, and met ESP that the Jalen Hurts injury and the way he ran off the pitch, I think, was probably the you know the worst moment of the season so far. Every Eagles fan was probably. I mean, I don't know what the group chat was like. I, I was obviously we were, 
unable to sort of dip into it. So I know you said it was going crazy, but at that particular moment was, oh, was um, how was the how how was the chat and and generally what was what was the general consensus? Were people sort of optimistic going on? Oh, no, don't worry, or was everyone like the the sky is falling and the world is ending? Well, the, there's there's the particular pessimists in the group. Are we talking about Ali? Here? I won't name names. I won't name <laughs> names. But one starts with an E and one starts with a G. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly uh, who the second one is. I know. I know you do. Of course you do. Um, yeah, it, it really didn't. Look, I know from the stadium, you may not get the you know the the scenes that we get in, on the on the TV copy. But you know, Jalen, the, the scenes with Jalen on his on his ass on on the field, struggling to get back up, um, is not something that you want to see from your franchise quarterback. And knowing the drop off that we've got in quarterback, and you know, if the foolish Jalen, ultimately our season's over, and um, it's not something we want to see. It's not something that you, you know against your biggest rivals in a big game and. You know, heated environment. It's, uh, it's not something you ever want to see. And uh, I was worried how Jalen would come back from it because he's obviously been already carrying a knock. It's not as if the, the shot to the knee from Demarcus Lawrence was the first time he's he's had problems this season. He's he's been obviously carrying a knock, and he did say in his post game presser that. The bye week couldn't come quick enough, um, selfishly from his opinion, because he needed a bit of rest because he's obviously been playing through something. But the you know the team have been quite quiet about Jalen's injury, um, and and you know and what he's been playing through, and they've been going to his teammates AJ Brown, you know uh, Jason Kelsey. They've all saying you know he's tough. He's a guy who will put his body on the line. He'll put himself on the line. He'll play through whatever he needs to do to get this team rolling. And, you know, it's not the first time I've saw it from Jalen either. He's, he, he played injured, uh, not last year, but the, the year before. Um, I've spoke about it in this podcast, and, and everyone, every, every listener will know when we went to Raymond James Stadium. Uh, and played against the Buccaneers. Uh, we, we lost that game, unfortunately, in the World Cup playoff, and, and Jalen was in a boot almost like immediately after the game had finished because he was obviously dealing with an injury. Um, and these guys, these Warriors, put them their bodies through so much um, for, for this team and for their teammates, from the guy to the left of them, the guy to the right of them. And it's not just Jalen, it's... Uh, you look at what Lane Johnson done last year during the playoffs, playing through uh, the injury that he had. A lot of um, other professionals said, you know, it's a hell of a lot of pain that these guys are, are playing through. You look at Jason Kelsey, you, you watch his documentary, you see the amount of pain that this guy's going through in his, in his uh, in, like, twilight years uh, in the NFL. He doesn't need to do that. This guy's rich. He's a multi-billionaire. He could probably just retire, but he doesn't. He wants to play, he wants to play for the team, he wants to play for Jalen, he wants to play for a ring, and it's so admirable for all of them. I know I'm going off on a massive tangent, Phil, and I know we're going all the time, but just to get out there that these guys are just warriors. I think I think it's, it's still a good it's still a great point because I think it speaks 
volumes towards why we are so high on this team and why when we speak about the intangibles that that's what we talk about is that the players will be dealing with stuff but they are determined to do it for the team for the teammates for the fans for the city of philadelphia for fans all over the world they will do that and i guarantee you um Jalen Hurts has had multiple injections into that knee and he will probably do for the rest of the season at the very least to ensure he can get through the three, three and a half hours that he needs to to ensure that we get that that dub, that next dub and, and get to the playoffs. And I think, again, not to speak too far ahead, but that's why the, the number one seed is so much more important because that's another bye week. That's another week where you can kind of tend to it. You can help make it better, ease the pain and do what you need to do to get him ready for, for the playoff run. If we don't get that bye and we have to play a wild card slot, that's just another game that he's going to have to go through that could potentially cause issues. But um let's let's end on let's end the bad there because I think that's that's a good 20 minutes of of of, of depressing aspects of, of going forward <laughs> and, and what the game brought up to us. But let's get to some good and um, F the it feels like we should just, yeah, there we go. <laughs> F the Cowboys, uh, F the East, good words. Um, okay, well, we'll go straight into the damn right section because for me, it's it's a nice segue. We've talked about the bad and the Jalen Hurts injury. Let's go to the good and the damn right sexy for uh, for, for Jalen Hurts for this week. Uh, Nick. No, cool. Not ready uh, this time. Oh, I've got damn right, sexy. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, no, no. I, uh, uh, you were so on point for the first one. I think you learned a little bit of the Too much whiskey. Too much whiskey. Too much whiskey. <laughs> um, so completed 17 of 23, 73.9% completion rate. Um, for 207 yards, like I said, not, not a huge amount of passing yards. Um, two touchdowns in the air, zero interceptions though, which is a, another good point because we know that's been a big issue um, or an increased issue f- for the season. Uh, 130.2 passer rating. He also rushed 10 times for 36 yards and a touchdown. Now, I put in the group, group chat earlier this week when I finally got around to watching the the game back and I hadn't even got to half time, and I just had to put in the group. I was like, I can't even begin to say how good Hurts is passing was in that game he only did 207 yards but those 207 yards were so on point it was so precise some massive plays the aj brown throw into sort of double maybe even triple coverage i can't remember but just on a dime straight into his straight into his his gut um and to bring it down it just felt feels like hurts is now passing on a level that even the jokers who who admittedly give us um, a bit of banter every now and again, calling Hurts just a glorified running back. He's, I mean, you can't say that anymore. He he is now as established a passer as any other quarterback in the league. He's only third behind um, CJ Stroud and, and Patrick Mahomes um, on total yards per game. And since week seven, Hurts has completed 69 of 92 passes, 75% of them for 805 yards, eight and 8.8 um yards average eight touchdowns one interception and 125.5 pass rating in that span hurts ranks second in the league in completion percentage passing touchdowns tied and passer rating while winning each of his three starts now that's a lot of information folks but you, you know there can't be anyone out there nick that is sat there going 
you know, Hurts just needs to improve in the passing game anymore. There can't be any of those people left out there, surely. Mate, there's something that's actually bothering me just now about about this. All right. right. And that's because I've listened to other podcasts as most listeners of this podcast probably do. And I've heard so much about, you know, Jalen isn't getting the yards on the runs that he used to. Jalen isn't running the ball. Jalen isn't himself. Jalen isn't doing that. Jalen is passing the ball at an elite level at the moment. And see, last year when Jalen was running the ball and doing all this thing, it was Jalen isn't passing the ball enough. Jalen isn't throwing all the touchdowns. You can't have it fucking both ways, all right? <laughs> Jalen does what he needs to do in order to win. Jalen is looking at the defense. He's diagnosing the play. He's taking what the defense give him. If if that is AJ Brown on a, on an island in a one on one because the defense are blitzing and we're getting the the, the the coverage that we need, and we're getting one on ones with AJ Brown or Devontae Smith, Jalen's going to take that all day. And if if it doesn't run, maybe because of his knee injury, yeah, it's got a part to play in it. Of course it does. That doesn't mean that we have to take shots at quarterback. Be- it's, it's so frustrating, and I, I wish I could scream through Spotify sometimes when I'm listening to these podcasts and listening to these people talk, um, or, you know, these talking heads of the NFL, um, when they're like, oh, Jalen isn't quite the quarterback that he was last season, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> he, he isn't the, the, the player that he was. People have forgotten what this team was last season. They, they they have this grandiose opinion that that the Eagles were far and away like fantastic. Every single week, week one to week eighteen, the Eagles were blowing teams away and they were fantastic in every single metric. Jalen could do no wrong. No, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. We, we chronicled every single game last season because that's what we do as the British and Irish Eagles. We we review each and every single game and we talk about it at length. And I remember the games where it didn't go quite right. But we still came out with a win. And he's doing it consistently. Again, this season, we're 8-1. Give the guy a break. I'm sick of it. I am... I'm fucking so sick of it. I'm tired of listening to this rhetoric that Jalen Hurts isn't himself when he is himself. He is. This is what Jalen does. Jalen wins. He will tell you. He says, keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is winning. And that's what Jalen's been doing consistently through his career with the Eagles since he became a starter with the Eagles. Fuck me. Uh, uh, I could go on about this whole day. And you'll need to stop me at some point, but... I know, I know what you're saying, mate. And and breathe, breathe, Mick. Um, Liam, if you're listening, which hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm predicting that you're listening to this right now on your on your flight back from Scotland. And yes, Mick has just gone on that epic rant, and and I know that you'll be loving every second of that, and and now you'll be laughing because I predicted that you're listening to it at this exact moment of time. So, um, but you're absolutely right, Mick. The I'm never 
usually one a person who buys into the people just want to hate on someone because I think that that's just too that's too much of an immature um way to think and that that can't possibly be the way people got people are just trying to do their own thing to they haven't got time to to have an agenda against hers it's just the way things are going that people just aren't seeing it but I'm starting to come around to that kind of mental that way of thinking because it just doesn't matter what he does people will find a reason to mark him down whether it's in power rankings QB rankings MVP shouts you know where's he ranking passing oh he ranks dead oh where's he ranking rushing oh he's only 13th oh well no he's not he's, he's not doing very good in rushing but, but like get over yourselves guys just like stop worrying about is it is it, is it a Philadelphia thing is where my mind goes to is it just because he's the quarterback of the Eagles you know if he was the quarterback of any other team if he was the quarterback of the 49ers right now would people be having these same kind of discussions about oh he's not himself or he's not playing at the same level like Brock Purdy had two absolute dog shit games. Yes, he is Mr. Irrelevant. And this story of him is a separate one from of a Tom Brady-esque style of being a very, very late pick um, come good um, compared to a number one draft pick who's struggling this season in, in Bryce Young, et cetera, et cetera. What, it feels very much like it's just an, it's an easy thing to do. Hate on the Eagles. Hate on the Eagles quarterback. And... That's just no. That that fills your back pages of your newspapers. That fills your your online articles and your and your clicks because it rolls up Eagles fans and they'll be all over Twitter proving you're wrong and shouting at you. And that's what does your business good. So you find you you guys carry on and do that because it only shows any serves to be a chip on Jalen Hurts' shoulder and and every shoulder of every Eagles fan out there to be going into each game going. Here's the middle finger. Fuck yes, I'm going to go and win this game again because that's what I do. So I'm with you, Mick. Maybe not as quite as passionate, but it's got me into the place where I'm like, just, just accept, but just, just accept that it hurts. I mean, even if I guarantee, even if we do manage to win the Super Bowl this season or any other season in the future with Jalen Hurts' quarterback, people will still find a reason to criticize. Oh well, he didn't. You know, he didn't pass to AJ Brown on that third down. Yeah, they won the Super Bowl, but he's just not a complete passer. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> sorry. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I, I feel it. I feel it deep down in my bones. Um, uh, this is. Uh, I, I don't understand it quite myself. Well, we 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 spent we spent quite a bit of time passionately doing Liam defenses of of, of Jalen Hurts because um, we're all there now. We're all with we're all with you, Liam. We feel as um, agreed. Uh, as as offended by the situation and as passionately about our quarterback and how he performs this season and how he's doing it for the team. Not only he's putting his body on the line, he's sacrificing himself. You can't ask any more of the guy. So why is everyone else still asking? So that's the damn right sexy this week. And that's why he's the damn right sexy because it elicits, elicits that kind of response from both of us about how good he is. Um, I was torn between him and AJ Brown I went back and forth by picture and hurts, partly because AJ Brown's won it nearly every other week, but more because you know of how good the passing was from Jalen Hurts and, and how much disrespect he's getting and compared to what he should respect that he should, he deserves. Um but AJ Brown has to be discussed. And I think the main reason why is he did have he had a quiet game. 
by uh, by his recent standards. Didn't break 100 yards. Um, didn't manage to get seven games in a row of 125 yards. He only got a mere 66. Um, but like I said, in a game where Hurts only throws for 207, it's unlikely that the Brown was going to get mu- much more of a share of that. But Brown has now eclipsed 1,000 receiving yards for the season, and he is the fastest player to do that in Eagles history, doing it in nine games. Now, not two or three years ago, we were sat here going, when was the last time the Eagles had a 1,000-yard receiver in their team? And it was a good decade or so before. Forgive me, my, my knowledge hasn't stretched out that far, but I know it was a, over a decade ago. Um, and not only have we now had three, I think, by my reckoning in the last two seasons, Devontae Smith and AJ Brown both broke 1,000 yards and AJ Brown broke 1,000 yards this season already. We had three in the last two seasons and one's done it in nine games, mate. What a, like what a contrast! Like that is probably one of the biggest indicators of where the Eagles have been and where they are now is that they've now got a player who is and it, it's up on your wall. You've got the fused jersey I've mentioned before over your shoulder um, to sort of firmly install him in, in as, as a favourite in, in, of Eagles. He's done enough now to be deserving of Mick getting his jersey. Like I know you can get MVPs, <laughs> you can get game balls you can get all sorts of setup <laughs> trophies but to have mick have your jersey and put it on his wall behind his shoulder on, on the next podcast that's the sort of trophy that every wide receiver hopes to one day win and, and now he's achieved that but mick just a quick overview because you know we've been going on for quite a while now and we've still got to do the, the chiefs um preview but that's okay we, we are, um, we tell, are... Me, tell me tell me how you feel about that man <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's it's um it's so telling how I have the jersey of AJ Brown over my shoulder and so do you. Um <laughs> it's, uh he's allowed me to love number eleven again for this team. <laughs> healing uh, is complete. Healing is complete. It has been complete for quite some time. Uh, from the trade that we made uh, with the Titans uh, a couple of seasons ago uh, during draft day uh, where we honestly couldn't quite believe what had just happened in front of our eyes. I don't think even us or even the, the, the most optimistic of Eagles fans could have expected uh, what AJ has brought to Philadelphia and has brought to the Eagles, brought to the fans and, and given us hope, uh, given us elite wide receiver play, given Jalen um, a safety blanket to go to on third down, uh, if that's not a slant over the middle. It's, uh, you know, AJ and double coverage, sometimes triple coverage. Fuck it, AJ's up there somewhere, throw the ball. AJ is going to high point it. So, sorry down, to but... interject quickly, there, Mick, but that that is a is a great point that we've seen Hertz make a couple of throws where we've all gone. But the reason why he's doing that is because of AJ Brown. He has the confidence to make those kinds of throws because of a player like AJ Brown. Like they're best friends. He's proven himself to be that safety blanket, like you said. But he's making 
some risky throws, but he's making those throws when and creating huge first downs because of a player like AJ Brown. Oh no, he, he definitely is, and uh, you know, fair play AJ for for making the plays and bringing the ball down and do what do what he does, like the caliber of wide receiver that we are, that he is. And we spoke about on this very podcast only a few weeks ago uh, that AJ Brown could be quite possibly in the MVP conversation and the in the conversation about uh, being offensive player of the year. Um, for the numbers that he's put up, yeah, Tyreek Hill has also had an incredible season so far with Tua Tungle-Vailo and with Miami, but, you know, um, AJ Brown is just as important to this offense as as uh, <clears throat> Tyreek is to Miami, and he's just a, done wonders from this franchise. From from where we were, felt like just... Th- just going back only a few years ago, before we even drafted Devontae as well, we were just wading through terrible wide receiver play. We were looking at Travis Fulgham and hoping he was going to be the future of the franchise. And when you have blue chip players, true blue chip players that we have in our, at our disposal with AJ and Devontae, it's, it's truly special. And and that's something the Chiefs are missing at the moment. Um, yeah, you you can try and and get your, your your quarterback to elevate as much as you possibly can, but at the end of the day, you do need a true wide receiver one to um, make your team special to 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 have an, a a Super Bowl run, and that's what we've got in spades. That's true, and we need to enjoy it while it's here because at some point we're going to have to pay Devontae Smith and that's going to be an issue. Not saying that we can't find a way or how we might not find a way to keep both of them, but this could be, there's a chance that this could be the last season we have both of those players firing in the way that they do with Jalen Hurts. So let's just enjoy it while it's here. Um, Last good point before we move on to the Lock Loman play of the week. Brandon Graham, Ooh. such a key person or defensive player going into the last two minutes. that Those two minutes that seemed like a lifetime were made significantly more digestible by the two sacks that, that Brandon Graham managed to get, chasing down Dak for the two-point conversion. Um, just had an absolute game stopping moment for for or game saving moment, sorry, with those sacks because like I said, they got down to the I think it's about the 10 yard line and we ended up pushing them back to about the 25, 30 yard line um with with a penalty and a couple of sacks. And Brandon Graham was a key part in that. And in like I said, because of the failed two point conversion which Brandon Graham was result that was responsible for, and then pushing them back to the 25 yard line saying kick a field goal if you want ain't going to do any good but that's what we're getting from us because we've we've shut you down and we're going to win this game because of that fact and not only that but brandon graham will appear in his his 188th career regular season game tying david acres for the most in team history so a 14 year a 14 year nfl veteran uh graham is also tied with the nfl legend chuck bednarek for the most 
seasons played in franchise history. So, I mean, when the guy, when that guy eventually retires, much like Jason Kelsey, it's going to be such a hard person to replace. But also, they're going to be they're going to be up in the ring of honor. They're going to be talking about jersey numbers being retired because they are absolute solid legends of the team. No questioning that. Um. What are your thoughts, Mick? I feel like I've, yeah. I've covered all the points, but what, what are your thoughts? No, you're right. I mean, when you see number 62 hanging over your head there, Phil, 55 belongs with that 62. <laughs> Brandon Graham is so important to this team, to the history and to the future of the team playing on a reduced contract because he knows he knows his time's up in philadelphia he, he, he well it's for his career he knows that uh, his, his snaps will be limited but what does he do well he makes the most out of those he gives 150 percent on every snap that he plays because that's how much this team means to him you listen to him when he's mic'd up and he is he is rabbiting on he is in the ear yeah yeah he's the presence in the locker room he is the fighting force and this defense along with fletcher cox of course <clears throat> along with other um big uh personalities in that locker room but 55 uh will forever for me uh be philadelphia legend stuff of like the, the, the sort of player that um when your kids talk to you about the Eagles, you know, and say, oh, you know, Brandon Graham. And you're like, yeah, yeah, he, he was special. You know, I, I remember the strip sack on Tom Brady. I, I remember the I'm chasing, chasing down Dak Prescott on a two-point conversion to win against the Cowboys in week nine and the 2023 season uh, before we won the Super Bowl. You know, I hmm. didn't really a bit there. Um, but that's the kid, that's the special player that this guy is and what he provides to this team time and time and time again and, and all he does is perform and I just I love him, I love him. <laughs> you love him um, <laughs> I mean I as, as, as has been well documented before is that I only started following the Eagles at, in the 2018 season um, one of the first things I ever watched was America's game from the Super Bowl winning season. And I remember in that he is, I think it was a competition that was had and the and the winner was got Brandon Graham to officiate their wedding. So he got <laughs> ordained and he okay. officiated someone's wedding. And I had no idea who this guy was initially. I was like, you know, watching this for the first time. And he was obviously one of the players that they used for the the interviews along with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles um, and Garrett Blount, I think, was was the other guy. Um, just going through, just seeing this guy, like this Eagles player, got ordained and did a wedding and, and stuffed it up quite a bit um, because obviously <laughs> for an Eagles legend was nervous conducting someone's wedding, but what a strange situation to be in. But it just goes to show the character of the guy that that's who he was, is that he'll just do anything. He can say anything, do anything. He's such a character. He's going to be um, sorely missed when when he eventually does retire. Hopefully, 
gives us maybe a couple more seasons before he goes. Thought, but yeah, I think he wants one more to break the record. Yeah, but, yeah. We'll see what happens. Right. Um, thanks for sticking with us. Um, we've got to the end of end of the game review. Um, but the last thing before we do is the Lock Lemon Player of the Week. Now, normally it's a an impressive. Usually it tends to have been an offensive play. You know, a, a big bomb down the field by Hertz or a big catch or a, a, a long run or just a particular drive. But I think you all might under, might know where we're going with this one this week. It's a bit of a bone of contention on Twitter. We'll say there was a bit of. There's a bit of back and forth with some Cowboys fans about this particular play on Twitter, but I'll say no more about that. But um, this week, the Lock Lyman player play of the week goes to Darius Slay. And for that impressive, acrobatic, and just hilarious meme-generating play um, from Darius Slay, stopping Dak Prescott from trying to run into the end zone, trying to hurdle Darius Slay into the end zone and promptly ending up 180 degrees with his feet in the air and his, and his head on the ground now forever entombed as a meme as a sticker as a as a butt of the joke of eagles fans uh, across thing he didn't get injured so it's fine we can joke about it now i guess um but i think it just feels worthy that that is the that is the play because it because of so because of what it what it represents the image that sticks in people's minds and um and also what it meant because it was it was a defense stop it was a, a touchdown denying play so jokes aside it was an impressive stop on defense so i think it's worthy in my opinion mick what do you think oh well you could have picked a better play for the hawk moment play of the week and uh <clears throat> enjoyed it immensely when it happened on the field of play thought it was hilarious um Towards the end of the game, as you said, the the UK Cowboys were tweeting us throughout the game on most plays and took liberties, I might say, at the end of the game on posting a picture of Dak Prescott head over heels for for the Eagles uh, at the end of the game saying thanks for playing, uh, which they took great, uh, except... uh, you know, resistance to. Um, uh, which occupied quite a bit of my Sunday evening, Monday morning. Oh, yeah, with Dallas fans or having a laugh at the expense of Dallas fans. And thank you for that. It just made the win uh, that little bit more enjoyable for myself. And I'll relish that uh, every single time. I can't wait to play you again at ENT Stadium. If we beat you there, I am going to be fucking insufferable. So just, just, just wait for that. Just, but, but, but that's just, also the flip. But I know, I know what you're saying, Mick. I, 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 I really sincerely hope we manage to do a sweep of the, the Cowboys because it we not only that it would be the first time we've done that in a in a significant period of time. But also the flip side, if we don't end up winning that, I'm sure they'll give us. Exactly the same amount of of, of abuse back. That's that's, that's what rivalries are for. That's what that's what it is. is. You win, you blow, you have a bit of fun, you lose, you take it on the chin, and you have a you have a laugh. The end of the day, it's it's a it's a a sport, and um, you just have a laugh at your rival's expense, and you move on. That's it. That's that's the that's the whole thing behind it. So, 
And I won't say any. I won't say any more on it. <laughs> but uh, congratulations to Darius Leon winning the local wind play of the week. And on that note, um, it's time for the the lock lineman ad read, Mick. Celebrate victories, rally through challenges, and bond with fellow fans as you toast with a dram of Loch Lomond single malt whisky. From tailgating gatherings to watch parties at home, Loch Lomond whisky becomes an essential companion, enhancing the moments that make football so extraordinary. It's the perfect accompaniment from the joy of victory to the bittersweet moments of defeat. Loch Lomond offer a wide range of malts with their flagship perfectly balanced and signature expressions inch moan and inch muren to suit any taste palate. Celebrate greatness on and off the field this season with a perfect balance of Loch Lomond whiskey and Eagles football. From the first pour to the crowd roar. Fly Eagles fly. Beautiful. Um, and just quickly before we move on, um, it feels like a good time to announce that we've started doing our Loch Lomond Whiskey of the Month. So um, if you read the newsletter that got sent out earlier this week, you'll already know what this is about. But for those that haven't got it, didn't get it, check your junk mail. But also I'm going to tell you about it now so you can just find out about it here. But um, each month we're going to pick one of the Loch Lomond um, whiskies from, from their extensive range of exceptional products um each month we're going to pick one and lock Lyman are kindly going to give us a 15 percent eagles fan discount so um this month we've picked the inch moen so naturally the first one we're doing is going to be my personal favorite now when we got sent the three bowls mitt from my perspective it was a standout favorite of mine. Um, I like smoky whiskies. I like um, that kind of flavor, um, a bit of spice, a bit of warmth, a bit of smokiness in mine. And and this one just ticks all those boxes for me. So um, I felt like when I had the first bowl, Liam was kind enough to get me one for my birthday. So I've had the sequel and I've not changed in my opinion of that. It's, it's an absolutely fantastic whiskey and it's well worth trying out for it. And now you guys get to try it too with a 15% discount. So make sure you um, you visit lockblimeandwhiskies.com before the end of November if you want to get the Inch Moen. There will be obviously another one in December, but that's TBC. Um, make sure you get on there now and, and enter the code EAGLES15 on checkout to make sure you get your discount. And, and I hope... I hope that you guys will will go out and get a few bottles yourselves and, and, and contact me and let me know if you you feel the same way about this fantastic whiskey because I'm sure you won't be disappointed. So, right, that's enough of uh, enough of that part thing. Before we moved on to the 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 Kansas Chiefs Kansas City Chiefs preview, I just wanted to touch on since it's the bye week, we're halfway through the season. If you were listening at the start of the season, we did do a win loss prediction, so I thought I'd, I'd do a bit of. Um, Full, full circle moment to kind of go, okay, well, what did we predict at the start of the season and where do our, our predictions stand now? And you'd be unsurprised to know that because we were mostly predicted wins that we're all pretty close there. But one person has, has managed to predict the, 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 the schedule to each game actually 100% correct. So he's now on a, a 9-0 and record for predictions. Obviously, we're 8-1, but he predicted 
correctly. Don't know how. I mean, at the time, I suppose he was expecting Aaron, Aaron Rodgers to be the quarterback of the Jets, but he predicted that the Eagles would would fall to the Jets in uh, in Week Six. So he is predicted wins apart from that one. So he is he is nine and zero for the season, whereas me and Liam predicted wins and uh, Liam also. Actually, no. Liam's not eight and one. Liam's coming up with seven and one. I'm a seven and two. I'm eight and one, and mixed nine and zero because I've predicted wins all the way through to the bye week. So I was expecting us to be actually nine and zero at this point, whereas Liam was expecting us to be um, eight and one. But he predicted that we'd lose to the the Commanders and not the Jets. So well done, Mick. I mean, you're on a roll. Do you, you've you've predicted that we're going to beat the the Chiefs, the Bills, the Niners, lose to the Cowboys, lose to the Seahawks. Beat New York. I, I'm not sure which ones actually at home, but beat one of the beat one of the beat New York in one of the games, and beat Cardinals, but lose to New York. I'm assuming you probably went for the Meadowlands for the defeat as the last game of the season. I'm I'm, I'm guessing, but looking at your the predictions for the, for the for the rest of the season, are you confident you're going to get 100% record, or do you think you're going to change your? You think you would change your mind now if you had to redo them? You know. <clears throat> I would probably change them now, knowing where we are. But uh, you know, I, I I don't mind being nine and zero for the prediction. That's pretty <laughs> good good place to be. Uh, yes, I did uh, assume that Aaron Rodgers would be playing with the Jets and, and took a loss there because you know the, these things seem to even themselves out in the course of a season. Uh, you're going to take a loss somewhere. Why not against the Jets? Um, if I was to look ahead over the next few games in the gauntlet, I would rather win the games against the NFC opponents to the AFC opponents. I took the win against Kansas and Buffalo. I would much rather take the win against Dallas um and the Seahawks in that instance because of the tiebreakers, because of the implications, the NFC number one seed, you have to win the conference games to make sure um that we remain on top and we have the home game advantage and the the buy on the wild card round when it comes to the playoffs because these things are very important, especially if our quarterback is a little bit banged up, um gives the team a bit of a rest and gives the Philly home crowd the chance to change the game as I'm sure you experienced firsthand against Dallas on those third downs where the the crowd the stadium was just mm. huge you could hear it through the TV I can imagine what it was like in the stadium itself so um, if I was to change it for the will of the good it would be towards the NFC yeah I think I think we all agree with you there. I mean, I, I my prediction is that at the start of the season we would lose to Kansas City in this game. Um, I don't feel that way necessarily now, as we'll get onto it shortly. But um, you're right. I think we all think that we'll probably end up losing to Dallas in in, in Dallas because that just seems what we do. And but this season could very well be different. So, um, but it's important to get those wins against San Francisco and Dallas more than it is um, Buffalo and, and Kansas City. So. We'll see how that goes for the rest of the season, but I, I will be sure to we'll be sure to revisit this in the postseason to see see how we all got on overall. Um, right, let's let's get on to the Kansas City preview. Monday Night Football. Um, 
So it's going to be a long, long wait this weekend, but arguably the game of the weekend. So this is going to be one for the neutrals and and us Eagles fans and obviously Chiefs fans as well. It's in um, Arrowhead. So we've got to go down to Kansas City, which is another factor in confidence values for people going into it. The 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 defense and offensive rankings of of, of the particular teams, there's not an awful lot to split between them. They're both obviously fairly high up. Eagles are um are number five in total offense. So the, the, the Chiefs are only are eight. Um and defense, uh the Chiefs are pretty good at four. We're at 14. So no particular massive concerns from a perspective of we're we're not we're not doing particularly terrible in in any particular area per se uh, you know other than um third down defense which as we know Patrick Mahomes is particularly potent at always finding a way out um when he needs to most usually with Travis Kelsey or one of the other tight ends that they've got um or just putting his feet down and getting a a third and whatever it was in the Super Bowl that he managed to get 25 or something it was um, not to bring up those bad memories too much. Um, I'm going to keep it fairly short, Mick, because we've already taken people's times enough as it is, but just give me your, your keys to victory and biggest risks for defeat. So where do you think we're going to win it? Where do you think we can win it? And where do you think we'll potentially be, be a pitfall for us? All right. Um, so I'll I'll take the pitfall first, um, as we usually do at the start segment. We take the bad first and win with the good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I, I, I've mentioned tonight already, possibly in the podcast before this one, where we've done a, a bit of a guest spot. The, the, the Eagles are success, <clears throat> susceptible. Easy for me to say. Mm-hmm. To t- to tight ends, and there's no worse tight end to face than Travis Kelsey, the the best tight end in the league. The um the Hall of Fame tight end being the brother of our Hall of Fame center. Um just looking through some of the tight ends that we've faced so far this season, just looking at Hunter Henry when we faced the Patriots in week one, he had six targets, five catches, 56 yards, one touchdown. TJ Hawkinson, week two, Vikings, eight targets, seven catches, 66 yards, two touchdowns. Logan Thomas, week eight, Commanders, eight targets, six catches, 44 yards, one touchdown. Jake Ferguson, Cowboys, 10 targets, seven catches, 91 yards and one touchdown. It's fair to say it is a weak spot in this defense against tight ends, and that has been a common theme for not just this season. Um, we can't fully place it in the hands of Sean Desai. Uh, it's been a problem for a number of years with this Eagles team where we just can't handle the premium tight ends in the league. And it's a problem, Phil. It's something that Sean Desai is going to have to look at. He's had two weeks to have a look at because we're coming off the bye, of course, from the game in Dallas uh, to go out to KC and the number one. But the, the fortunate thing for the Eagles is Travis Kelsey is pretty much all that KC have at the moment. When you look at their offensive weapons, they don't have 
uh, Tyreek Hill anymore. The 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 the, the, the um, offensive weapons that they have at their disposal is vastly reduced to what we usually expect from a KC team. With that in mind, we also have Andy Reid. So it's not just the offensive weapons, it's the mind behind those offensive weapons. And I did hear on a podcast um, a couple of days ago that Andy Reid coming off the bye is 28-4 and four as a record as a head coach coming off of a bye week, which is quite stark. Um, and it's something that the Eagles will have to look at. How do we stop Travis Kelsey? Uh, what can we do to, you know, to change our back seven packages to, you know, limit how much success that they have in that area? Or do we give them that area, knowing that it's short field before the sticks, not giving up the big plays to, you know, a, a Rasheed Rice or something like that, or one of the other players that can be a bit of a more deep threat, uh, especially when you have such a talented quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so it's, it's, it's always going to be a problem. Kansas are not a team that are to be, you know, swiftly brushed aside obviously not they're just off of a, a Super Bowl victory against us we're very familiar with this opponent it's a team who are uh, perennial in the uh, in the playoffs they're always there or thereabouts they're the team to beat across the league it's fair to say they haven't been the same team that we're used to over the last few seasons and we have to take advantage of that. We have we have to play to the best of our abilities. Where we are strong is in the trenches. We have the upper hand in both offensive and defensive line, and I truly believe that. <clears throat> Kansas have a strong interior offensive line. Whilst that's true, they have had turnover in both tackle positions. Andrew Wiley, uh, he moved on this, this season, um, and Brown moved on as, as well. Uh, they haven't had the offensive line play that they're particularly used to, and we have the defensive line that can expose uh, that sort of offensive line. Mm -hmm. Conversely, when you look at the defensive line, yeah, they have, they have playmakers, but our offensive line is very strong. And we have Cam Jurgens, of course, returning back to action, which we should see a resurgence in the run game. And I think the Chiefs haven't had much joy in the run defence. I believe they're ranked 17th in the league at the moment in run defence, allowing for 112 yards on average this season. So... It could be a game where we start to see the run game improve a little bit because we haven't mm -hmm. seen that so far in the last few games. It's fair to say uh, DeAndre Swift, Kenny Gainwell. Boston Scott was actually inactive the last game due to personal reasons. We're not quite sure why that is, but he's expected to, to be back for the next game. And uh, we could look at the ground game again, pound, pound the rock on the ground. Mm -hmm. 
impose our physicality because physicality is the biggest thing that Philly has got going for it in the moment and it's just to out-muscle. What we do in the bro- brotherly shove is out-muscle. To put meat in front of yeah. meat, our meat is heavier than your fucking meat, so we're mm-hmm. going to move it. And that's what we need to do. We have to show Kansas that we're the bigger boy in the playground. You know, we have the upper hand. We are the, we we are the team to beat. We have more wins than them this season. It's not that they should. We should be afraid of them. They should be afraid of us. And that's the way I see it. <laughs> well, that's as comprehensive as you're gonna gonna get it. Um, more so than what I what I can touch on. Um, you've covered all the all the important points there. The the, the biggest worries, the coaching, um, the tight end situation. Um, for me, comes from every time we've faced a particularly strong receiving asset this season. It's been easy for us to say let's just get to the quarterback before um, it becomes a problem. With Travis Kelsey, you're not able to do that because it's over the middle. It's the short dinking donkey passes and the strength of the guy, and there's. There's no one out in the secondary that can match that kind of physicality. Um, so it's 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 hard to, to nullify that kind of impact. So if, if Kelsey decides to have a have a, a breakout game, there's there's little to nothing that you can really do to to stop it. Usually, the hope that Mahomes is off his throwing game, or you get a bit lucky with the jump and some passes, maybe an interception or or or, or a fumble if you hit the if you hit him at just the right time to to stop him from trucking down the field. So there's a, there's a lot that needs to be overcome, and I'm not 100% sure that the Eagles in secondary are going to be able to capable of containing that. So it could very well be a case of we just need to outscore the Chiefs, which is definitely doable. Then they're not they're, – they're good on defense, but they're not, like, formidable. They're not, they're not number one or they're not top top three in, in, in anything but – but the amount of points per game that they allow, they're, they're sort of they're fourth in total defense, admittedly, but um, they're seventeenth in, in in rush defense. So, like Mick said, rushing the ball down their throats is probably going to be a key key part to the game. And and if and if Jergens is back and that adds to the game, then then logically that that's the way it's got to be done. And hopefully that will open up the passing game um, a bit more for AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, and and whoever and Julio Jones if he ends up filling that role. So it's it's not impossible, and I think. There needs to be optimism out there. We need to go into this game full of confidence. It is definitely up in the air. It is definitely a coin flip in terms of it could go either way. But we need to go into this game confident that that we can do better than they can on offense. And, that, and that's where the game will be decided. Strengthen our offensive line, the running game, and then the subsequent passing game is definitely the key, key for success. But um, it's going to be an interesting game. And Monday Night Football is never an easy one for us UK fans, but the benefit of of the Cowboys game um, for us out in the States was that it was just a mere half um, half seven, eight o'clock when the game finished. And we went on to uh, to, to to go and watch the watch the uh, the Sunday Night Football shortly after that, once we'd left the stadium um, on the train. I forgot the set to back. That was an interesting um, story in itself. Um, popping back to the fourth and drawn tailgate to pop open the Loch Lomond whiskey that we'd given to Gail um, earlier that weekend and had a, had a few drams to celebrate the win before jumping on a cram tube chain back to the uh, back to the hotel to watch some Sunday night football in the hotel because by that point 
we'd had a hell of a day and I don't think there was any any ounce of energy in us that could have gone to a bar at that point. I know a few people may have uh, did do and full credit to them, but um, having games on Monday Night Football is never easy. So I hope you all made sufficient work plans for Tuesday morning or Tuesday. I've got a personal development review the Tuesday morning <laughs> at eight o'clock. Can you believe it? Well, as I mentioned in the, in the previous pod, I'm actually um, on a business trip up to up to Preston um, on Monday during the daytime. Um, so I'll be sat in a hotel room, but you know, with work the next day, it's going to be very difficult to manage that kind of adjustment. Um, so I will more than likely have to probably catch that um, when I wake up with my morning coffee by the bed. The hotel I stayed in when I was there last time was very nice, and the coffee was right by the bed. Didn't even have to get out of bed to flip the kettle on, make your coffee. And I sat there, and I think I watched a few of the Phillies games during the uh, the the championship series that they had out there. So I guess I'll just have to settle for that again. At least that's the story I'm going to tell my boss anyway. No, I'm I'm I'm, I'm joking. There are some things more important, um, but. It's definitely one of those polls. It's going to be such a game. It's going to be hard to hard to sleep knowing that games occur. Right. I think that is all she wrote. And thank you for sticking with us for just under two hours. Um, mainly down to me blabbering on about how great the the, the, the Philly trip was. Uh, last thing before we, we cut out of here is the next watch along. Um that's been booked into the past yank it's been there for a while we've got the um we had the commanders one not long ago we also have the, the 49ers game now i'm going to be there liam's going to be there be there i'm bringing three friends two of which have never um well one of which has never watched an nfl game no actually two of which have never watched an nfl game one's a bucks fan so that'll be interesting i know there's about 50 of us going down there already it's going to be an absolute smashing turnout it's a 925 game so you know it's going to be jumping by that time once we've had a few hours of watching red zone um in Pasiank and waterloo and um it's going to be an absolutely cracking game it's going to be the revenge game for the 49 so make sure you get your your place secured if you haven't already um if you're not sure where to go check out our newsletter check out our, our twitter feed there'll be a tweet out there there'll be more stuff coming out in the next few days and weeks just to remind people make sure you get your slot because at the end of the day Passyanke is a popular place to be on Eagles game day. So you may find that if you don't be part of our crew or book your own table, you, you won't be able to get in. So don't, don't miss out on the opportunity to spend uh, Sunday evening with fellow Eagles fans watching the Eagles beat the 49ers, hopefully. So um, and that's all from that's all from me. I don't think there's anything else that we need to cover, Mick, before we, before we cut out of here. No. Happy days. It is now 25 to midnight. We've been with you for almost two hours now thanks for sticking with us hope you enjoy listening back uh liam we look forward to having you back on the on the podcast soon i hope this has made your travel back from from scotland all the uh more palatable i know you've had a bit of a rough day traveling um yesterday trying to get up there so hopefully coming back smoother and uh for all the other eagles fans listening out there um thanks very much for listening hopefully you uh you, you enjoyed it as much as we did recording it and uh we'll see you soon go birds <laughs>